The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And good morning, Southwest Florida. Annex Wealth Management Show is on the air, 92.5 Fox News. Sunday, December 1st. Can you believe it is uh, December 1st already? My name is Danny Clayton. Good morning, Mark Oswald, our Chief Compliance Officer at Annex Wealth Management. How about December? Yeah, and it's amazing. that You can't believe that uh, the calendar turned on us so fast already, you know. Thanksgiving was late this year, of course, and and the shopping season is going to be a little compressed. I assume you guys are all done with all your shopping already. Good one, good one. Derek Felsky, also here, our chief investment no. officer, Annex Wealth Management. No, I have yet to begin my shopping expeditions. You know, I read so much this past week about is Black Friday slowly being eclipsed by Cyber Monday, and right. it sure looks like the evidence is in. And and um, you know, we sure hope if if anybody is in the retail business that it is a successful season for them. You you mentioned that it's a little shorter this year. I think one weekend less, is is that it? But you sure root for the home team if you can. But it looks like a lot of people are just moving to online. However, Black Friday is not even Black Friday anymore. uh, And there's one other day in there. There's that small business Saturday that was yesterday. Of course, hopefully people locally here went out and saw some local retailers and supported some of the local companies as well. But you know, Derek, it really leads to a bigger conversation about where where we're at with the stock market and where we're at with the bond markets because we're going to see the, the retail sales now. We're going to see this activity that tends to be really good in the fourth quarter, and historically at least, that's been supportive of the stock markets. Yeah, it has. I mean, 2019 has been a great year for risk assets. You know, we've seen the stock market rally over 25% from uh, very negative expectations at the end of 2018, uh, marked primarily by a Fed pivot on interest rates. Uh, but the consumer's in, in really good shape. You know, we see strong wage growth. We have the unemployment rate near a 50-year low. Uh, the stock market, which is a measure of the wealth effect, has, has done extremely well. Uh, we haven't seen firings pick up to any great degree, and home prices are moving up. So, one can usually correlate pretty well with consumer spending and the strength of the overall economy as we approach the holiday season. And then you think about people that are in their retirement years, of course, those stock markets and bond markets, when they do really well like they did in 2019, that's supportive of their spending as well. I mean, you don't start to change your distribution rate per se, but it does bring the balances up and it does allow you to be a little bit more confident about spending, about doing something in retirement that maybe you wouldn't do in one of the more lean years. Yeah, invariably, investing in retail stocks around, you know, you know, the holiday season as we approach Christmas is is really kind of fraught with difficulty because oftentimes what you'll hear is you'll hear about companies that are reporting different you know sluggish results early on. They'll talk about you know discounting and so on and so forth. And generally speaking, we don't tend to react to those as an investment committee. Um, we we think more about longer term trends. You know how are the trends for Walmart and Target, for example. And recently, you know we just heard from Walmart they reported a great quarter and they do expect a very strong holiday season. 
Is Walmart just one of those companies that's well run and they, they've approached the, their business differently? Um, you know, creating that whole online pickup thing and their, their grocery yeah. business is just gangbusters. They bought a company a couple of years ago called, called Jet, right? And that was kind of their yeah. online entree into that market. But Amazon, you think about retailers that are big box stores here in town. And then you think about the online companies like Target that do a little bit better. And, and those have really borne themselves out in the, in the performance of those companies, Derek. Yeah, they've adapted very well to to internet marketing and the like, uh, better than many others. The other thing about them, too, is they're really destinations. You know, the, the retailers that have a big parking lot in front of them have tended to do really well. And by that, I mean, you know, companies like Walmart, Target, uh, Costco would be another one that comes immediately to mind. These companies have just managed to to deal with a fragmented and, and difficult retail environment, while many, many shops and, and companies that are, are primarily launched in like, you know, strip malls and the like haven't done quite nearly haven't done nearly as well. Know the difference? It is Team Tech Trust. If you just joined us, this is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. We are a Barron's Top Advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a fee-only fiduciary partner. Hey, Derek, I want to just take you back to our investment committee meeting this last week. A couple things that we talked about were the volatility index and and where the markets are right now, and whether or not you know the fear and greed index and the volatility index. Talk about those two things a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the fear and greed index is something that we look at because it really gives us an indication of what investors are really doing, not what they're saying. And it's looking at things like credit spreads in the, in the, in the fixed income markets, uh, the volatility index, which you mentioned, is at a very low level relative to where it's been in the past you know, couple of years, uh, what, what people are doing defense, for defensive measures, like are they taking out, buying a lot of put options to protect themselves uh, from the gains that they've realized year-to-date without taking tax gains at the end of the year, which is not necessarily an efficient way uh, to manage your portfolio. Uh, so we look at that. Then we look at you know other indicators of, of speculative enthusiasm in the markets. And and granted, we've, we're up twenty five percent. You know, obviously we're looking for earnings to rebound somewhat next year. Uh, but now's a really good time to to really over you know take a look at the, your portfolio where you've really done well. So I thought, for example, Apple is up up sixty nine percent for the year, which is basically ten percent of the S and P gain by itself. So anyone who owns Apple, obviously that position has gotten bigger than perhaps what they originally intended. And it's a really good time to take a look at the valuations of your holdings. Are they overvalued? We don't think Apple is necessarily. But if you have a very large weighting in something like Apple or Microsoft or Amazon or Facebook, uh, perhaps it's time to take a look at other areas of the market that haven't been exploited to such a degree. Guys, can it be that simple with just a couple of holdings can skew you out of balance? Oh, for sure. And I think that the the real challenge for people is to know what you own. Because if you own a mutual fund or a, a basket of mutual funds, unless you go through the analysis of what does my portfolio really look like, it's hard to say how much what your exposure is to Apple. Because we talked about retailers, for instance. If you buy an S&P 500 index, you maybe don't have that big of an exposure to retail, but you might have a huge exposure to technology companies like Apple and Amazon. And that can get dangerous if those companies start to move away from you. And can that uh, st- those stocks be owned by um, multiple 
funds? I mean, can they can Apple be in a couple of different ones? Oh, absolutely. And and frankly, this has been a year where you really did want to concentrate exposure in companies that are winning because the winners this year have truly won by a big margin. And many of these companies are very large market caps in the S and P five hundred. So if your manager has actually outperformed the index, indexes, the odds are they have a significant slug of companies like Target, Apple, Microsoft, and the rest. It's been really supportive of our core and tactical approach to investing because we have those horses. That's the core of your portfolio. It's 50, 60, 70% of your portfolio. That really doesn't change over time. It's reflective of your risk tolerance. And then in our investment committee, we're tactical around that. It's what you own, technology, healthcare, consumer discretionary, financials, sectors like that this year have done very well for us. And then it's what you don't own, the utilities and the energy and those sectors that we've stayed away from. And that's the core and tactical approach that we bring to it that really has been successful in 2019. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, where we ask you to know the difference. The Wall Street Journal has published a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. The very first one is, are you a fiduciary and are you willing to put that in writing? We've been asking people listening to our show to do that for years. That's just one of the ways to know the difference between financial advisors. People come to us every day with what I call a mishmash. Statements here and there, overlapping investments, no consolidation. Annex Wealth Management can clean that up and put it in order. Our team of investment, tax, and estate planners will work to make sure your plan is clear and coordinated. If this makes sense to you, or if you want a second opinion on your investments and retirement planning, go to AnnexWealth.com. You can learn more there or simply hit the Get Started button and start the process. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. I hope we see you soon. Many children in Southwest Florida face an uncertain future with their health, but Nicholas Children's Hospital Foundation is here to help. Through special individuals just like you, the Nicholas Children's Hospital Foundation's mission is fulfilled, fighting along with the children of this community on their journey to wellness through medical research and innovation, bringing hope and healing, especially to those children with very complex health issues. But we really need your help. You can create health and happiness in the life of a child. By creating a special gift within your life insurance, estate plan, or even your current retirement plan, Southwest Florida has a rich tradition of philanthropy for children. And now, Nicholas Children's Hospital Foundation is here to expand that legacy. For information, please call 239-263-2223. That's 239-263-2223. Nicholas Children's Hospital Foundation, a tradition of giving, now in Southwest Florida. Will you be a part of something special today? Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust at Annex Wealth Management. Jill Martin is the estate planning attorney here, and she works with clients on a wide array of matters, including what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Leaving money to minors. Now, I'm thinking trust fund babies. I think that's the first phrase that comes to mind, and I've known some, and they've been A, insufferable, and B, it hasn't gone well. Well, it depends on A, the dollar amount, but trust funds are generally actually a pretty good idea. And I think today we'll talk about what are some of the alternatives and maybe you might get turned around that the trust fund might be the better of the four. Okay. All right. Here we go. The typical arrangement, right? Spouses would leave money to the other spouse in the event that one of them died, right? That's a 
the beneficiary, the primary? That's a pretty typical estate plan where, you know, married couple leaves everything to each other. And then when the second of them passes, it passes on to the kids. But it doesn't always work that way, right? If something tragic happened, but then there's plenty of single parents too. Correct. And so it's important to think about if something happened to you and you were the sole parent that was alive, whether it's because a spouse predeceased or passed away at a very young age, or there's a divorce and, and they're just not yeah. in the picture anymore, those types of things, it's important for people to think about. So I was reading up about this and I came across the phrase property management, and that seemed really clinical, like it was a series of buildings or something. <laughs> property management, what do you think about that? So property management, I guess how I would look at it from my lens in doing this for a long time is is when when you leave money to minors, they don't have capacity to own any. So you become an adult once you legally turn 18. So what happens is, is when you leave something to someone who's under 18, somebody needs to manage it. Whether it's they get left a house, somebody needs to take care of that house for those children, somebody needs to manage finances or a bank account for those kids. That's what I guess property management would be, but I guess I don't I don't term it in that kind of phrase. It made me think. Sure, there is more than money. There's there's a house. There's there's other stuff. Boats. There's cars. Absolutely. So to properly pass money to kids, is this set up via a will or is this a trust? It can be both, or it can be none of the above. <laughs> so <laughs> what happens is we work with a lot of clients who they use beneficiary designations, right? So maybe they say, I leave my IRA to my spouse, and in the event that my spouse passes away before I do, I leave it to my kids. That's a very typical kind of estate plan and beneficiary designation form. The issue there becomes if all of a sudden both spouses have passed away and those kids are minors, they're going to inherit that IRA as minors. And so then all of a sudden they've got IRAs that they need to deal with and and we have to figure out what to do with them. I saw the phrase court appointed guardians. That seems a little distant to me. Is that like where they'll summon somebody from room 312 in the courthouse and all it's like a public defender that's your court appointed guardian? It's not. Oh, so good. so what happens is is if if you have minor children and you normally in a will would list who would be the guardian of those children in the event that you passed away and they're still minors. What that looks like is is there's two types of guardianship. There's guardian of the person. Who are they going to live with? Who's going to take them to school and coordinate, you know, the vacations and all of those types of things. But then there's also a guardian of the estate. And that's the person who manages the property, right, that we just kind of talked about. So normally in a will, you appoint someone to be that person. They can be the same. They don't have to be different. But you're picking who that's going to be. In the absence of a will, likely what's going to happen is an interested family member is going to come forward and ask to be appointed by the court. So it's not that it's, yeah, the random person from down the hall in the courtroom that happens to be available. It is going to be someone that is known to the family that the court is going to basically pass judgment on and say that this is the appropriate person. Talking to Jill Martin about passing money to kids many different ways, many different situations. Let's talk about something called the UTMA, the UTMA. What does that stand for? So UTMA is a lovely acronym in our legal world. I hear it a lot. It's the Uniform Transfers to Minors Act. 
And what that is, is that allows you to transfer property in a little bit more efficient way than having this full guardianship of the estate that comes into play. Because the guardianship of the estate has annual court filings, and the guardian is going to have to go to court and get permission to make distributions for the benefit of that minor, right? And guardianships terminate when that child turns 18. UTMAs are a statutory creation that basically allows someone to create an account where they name someone as a custodian to take care of that money for the minor. The difference with the UTMA account is it extends it out to 21 at least, but it also doesn't have the court supervision over it. So that custodian who's who's taking care of those funds can use those funds for the minor without having to get court approval to do everything. So UTMA, to me, and I didn't go to as much law school as you did, sounds cleaner, better? Uh, depends on your facts and circumstances is my answer in my legal world, okay. right? The difference is, is the guardianship is very, very supervised so that the court is going to ensure those funds are used for the benefit of that minor. The UTMA account doesn't have the court involvement. So if you pick a custodian who's not real great with money, they could start potentially siphoning that money off for themselves rather than for the minor. So there's some pros and cons with both of them that depends on who it is that you trust to be that person. But generally, the UTMA is going to be less invasive from a, an administrative standpoint. So no matter what, when the, when the person, the kid, turns 21, they get it all? That is going to be their account going forward. Okay. And so what happens is... is you know, like at Annex, we have we have UTMA accounts for clients where maybe a grandparent set it up for a child, right? And so what happens is, is legally that child becomes the owner of that account when they're 21, and therefore they have full control over that account. Could that be a disaster? 18, 21, 40? Right. I don't know. <laughs> yes. I mean, right. <laughs> depending on what's going on with your facts and circumstances, any age could be detrimental. But a lot of people tend to think that 18 and 21 might be a little young for people to inherit money. My research has shown, yes, that is the case. So can you do it where somebody would inherit the money at 30 or, or later? Or? Yeah, so that's where you can use trusts. Instead of leaving money just to the minor outright, which creates the guardianship or into an UTMA account, people will use trusts as part of their estate plan. So you can do this under the will or under a revocable trust that you use. But basically, instead of leaving it to my son, Bob... I'm leaving it in trust for my son, Bob. And what that does is that creates a trustee who's going to be responsible for that property management, making distributions. But you get to customize the terms and conditions that Bob gets to make distributions for and the age at which that trust would terminate, if at all. It sounds complicated, and it sounds like something definitely people need professional help on. Jill, that's what you do for our clients. Absolutely. Jill Martin, an estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, where we ask you to know the difference. The Wall Street Journal has published a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. The very first one is, are you a fiduciary, and are you willing to put that in writing? We've been asking people listening to our show to do that for years. That's just one of the ways to know the difference between financial advisors. People come to us every day with what I call a mishmash. Statements here and there, overlapping investments, no consolidation. Annex Wealth Management can clean that up and put it in order. 
Our team of investment, tax, and estate planners will work to make sure your plan is clear and coordinated. If this makes sense to you, or if you want a second opinion on your investments and retirement planning, go to AnnexWealth.com. You can learn more there or simply hit the Get Started button and start the process. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. I hope we see you soon. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Team, tech, trust, and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisor say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, Sunday, December 1st. I'm just looking at that calendar. Sunday, December 1st, a month away. Brand new year, brand new decade. My name is Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald, our Chief Compliance Officer on the show today. Annex Wealth Management. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. That's where you can click that Get Started button and get it going on the free portfolio analysis. You know, guys, when we started the show, we talked a little bit about retail sales and what's going on with the consumer, you know, Black Friday and Small Saturday, uh, small Business Saturday, and now you're getting into Cyber Monday tomorrow. And so all of those retail sales numbers. But I want to get a little more global, Derek, and talk a little bit about what's happening with the U.S.-China trade deal that may be coming down the pipe, and then maybe a little bit about Brexit and what's going on there. Let's start with the U.S.-China trade deal. Yeah, the, the U.S.-China trade deal has obviously contributed a lot to market volatility throughout the year as we, you know, people got optimistic and then pessimistic, and, you know, it's been headline-driven. I mean, most recently, the president just signed a bill supporting the Hong Kong protesters, which, of course, is not something the Chinese would like the U.S. to be doing. Uh, I mean, they, they basically have a blackout on information regarding that. They said they would respond, although it appears that they're not really responding in any any great form. The market seems to be digesting that uh, pretty well. But the odds, you know, the odds of phase one agreement uh, have gone down a little bit by year end. There was a, t- a report about a week ago that they thought that that bill might not be signed until 2020. And the key here is that contributes to global uncertainty and CEO confidence, because if you don't know how trade's going to look, whether tariffs are going to be imposed on December 15th, for example, you're going to sit on your hands. So we see, you know, lots of companies, you know, CapEx spending has not really been what we would have expected uh, this year, given the corporate tax cuts and the amount of cash that companies have on their balance sheets. So that's really going to be a key driver to er- towards earnings next year in 2020. And that's going to be important because this 25% gain has in some ways borrowed from next year's growth. So to the degree that the market is is too complacent about the, the likelihood of a trade deal, that could cause a short-term hiccup in, in stock prices. You know, Derek, the size of the economy in China is obvious. You know, you've got the U.S., the world's largest economy, China, the second largest economy in the world. But we have trading agreements with other countries that, you know, we, we import and export more to Mexico and Canada than we do China. That new NAFTA agreement, getting that in place is just as important probably as getting something done with China. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I was we do a presentation you know, fairly frequently called navigating the markets. And one of the things we've talked about is global trade. And while trade uh, between the U.S. and China is down over the last year, it's up dramatically with countries like Taiwan and Vietnam and the like as companies move supply chains to other areas where they're getting better terms and don't have to worry about the potential imposition of tariffs. 
If you just joined us, this is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. You'll see a lot about us. You can read about us. Most important thing is click that Get Started button, get going on that free portfolio analysis. We are a Barron's Top Advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a fee-only fiduciary partner. Derek, let's continue our tour around the world, and let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Europe right now. Germany, some news coming out of Germany, and of course, Brexit looms in January, if that's going to happen. Right. I mean, Brexit continues to be a, a conundrum. I mean, my expectation personally is that they're going to get an extension as they continue to try to review uh, what the impact of that will be and whether the EU will allow the, the Brits to basically leave uh, without too much of a negative impact on future growth. I mean, the one thing that there are a couple of things actually really interesting in Europe. One is that Germany's economy has been very weak. Obviously, it's a big export-driven economy. It's been hampered by the uncertainty over trade, about whether the president may impose tariffs, auto tariffs on the EU, for example, that which would obviously affect BMW and Mercedes, among many others. But the other thing about Germany is that PMI got to 41, which is an extremely low low. That's Purchasing Managers Index. Yep. That's, that's German CEOs' confidence about the, the likely... Uh, trajectory of the German economy over the next several months and quarters. And and that's a very extreme like negative number. And typically, when you get numbers like that, it's really a, an all-clear sign. It's really a time to buy the weakness as opposed to panic over the headline. And the other thing that's going on in the EU is Christine Lagarde is now the new, new head of the European Central Bank. And she's more of a policymaker. She's not a monetarist, per se. And she recently gave a speech, and she said that monetary policy is most effective when it's accompanied by other measures, namely fiscal stimulus. And if you think about the, in Germany, where interest rates are actually negative, it wouldn't be hard to imagine the Germans launching some fiscal initiatives next year that could stimulate growth, boost productivity in future years, and really contribute to somewhat of an uptick in European economic activity. What about emerging markets? I mean, as we move into 2020, you know, we've been hearing a little bit in our investment committee about perhaps emerging markets. We've had some exposure there, and that's been pretty good for us. Yeah, it has. I mean, the emerging market economies are less dependent on dollar debt than they have been previously. Uh, they're being run better than they had been in the past. I mean, of course, there's a whole panoply of countries when we talk emerging markets. Of course, China is considered to be in that bailiwick, but also, you know, countries like India and Malaysia and the like, where you've got great demographics, young workforces, uh, the rising middle class and the like. And the managers that we've selected to, to manage our assets for, on our behalf there have boots on the ground and are able to take advantage of what they see as emerging trends, the rise of the middle class, if you will. 30 days left in 2019, if you can believe that. A lot of things people can be doing right now to take advantage of the tax laws and certainly booking some gains and taking Taking some capital losses. Talk a little bit about our strategy on capital loss capture. Well, I mean, typically what we'll do is we'll look through our portfolios. And, and in a year like this, where essentially most asset classes have risen, which is exactly opposite of what happened last year, those opportunities to take capital losses are somewhat limited. But the one thing I would certainly caution people about is if you're thinking about buying an actively managed mutual fund, particularly in the equity markets and the U.S. in particular, make sure that they're not going to be issuing a capital gains distribution right. between a now and year end, because that new money that you're investing could theoretically face a tax burden that you didn't really benefit from. And you go down, the net asset value is decreased by the amount of the distribution, so you lose money on the on the principal side, and you get this tax bill for a, a, a 
and you get this tax bill for growth of a fund that you didn't own for most of the year. Right, and that and that information is easily available. All you do is go online, go to the, the mutual fund company's website, and they will have a tab for capital gains distributions, and you can take a look and see what the magnitude of those are likely to be. You can head to AnnexWealth.com, check us out, click that Get Started button, AnnexWealth.com, a Barron's Top Advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a fee-only fiduciary partner. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in a week. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.